innovative fundraising strategies for online events. Hi, I'm Bill Stanjakevich. This is the first day from the fundraising school. And I'm joined today by my longtime professional colleague, Claudia Cummings, who is now leading the Indiana Philanthropy Alliance as their president and CEO. Claudia is an expert in philanthropy overall as she provides important leadership and guidance for our sector, but she's also a fundraiser for her own nonprofit organization. And amidst the pandemic, the Indiana Philanthropy Alliance came up with a very creative strategy to maximize sponsorships from the business sector for their online conference. And Claudia, always a delight to be with you. Thanks for being with us on the Fundraising Schools podcast. Well, thanks, Bill. It's great to be with you. So tell us about this event that you typically have through the Indiana Philanthropy Alliance. What do sponsorships normally look like and what did y'all have to do when the pandemic hit? Well, Bill, it's an annual conference, statewide conference. We bring together our colleagues from across the state. We've all been there in hotel ballrooms, and then we mingle in between, and that's when we check out the booths from our sponsors, and we pick up little, you know, stress balls and flyers, and we try and sheepishly grab a piece of chocolate from a booth and run away. We've all been there, right? Um, and that's what the fundraising normally looks like. We ask people to sponsor the big dinner and, um, and put their ad in our program. And all of a sudden, COVID hit. And um, all of the things that we're typically familiar with um, seemingly evaporated. But it was seemingly. And we learned uh, pretty quickly that we were able to uh, use the most used word of 2020, pivot and adapt. And so, Claudia, what did that look like? Did you have businesses committed already to sponsor the conference and you had to go back to them? Or had you not started your fundraising yet? Help us understand the timing of this. Yeah, well, um, our conference was the first week of June. 2020. So yes, we had already been working on the conference for almost a year. It's kind of an annual thing that we work on all year leading up to it. Mm -hmm. And the preponderance of our sponsors had already been um, obtained with the um, actual the title sponsor had not yet signed. We had made um, uh, initial overtures. We were in the process of negotiating what that package was going to look like, but that particular sponsor had not signed yet, but all most of the rest had already. Um, and when March ha happened and we all went home. And so then you had most of the sponsors lined up. The pandemic hits. First things first, we're all taking care of our households, trying to get an understanding of this new reality. And now it's time to get back to work. What were those conversations with those business sponsors like? As you were, were you thinking they were going to cancel because the event was online? Uh, what were those conversations like as you then recontacted them uh, in this new reality? Yeah, well, if you guys can all put yourselves back there trying to figure out um, what you were going to do. Myself, um, I asked, I came home from work that day when the governor asked us to um, and asked my college age son to pull a folding table out from the basement and plop it in the middle of our formal living room, usually unused, but now it's my office. So this is a folding table in that formal living room. It now has a purpose. Um, I sat down here, took my very first Zoom call and um, um, we were off to the races. And uh, so at first we were in denial and we thought we could push the conference off into September. So we got a rain date of September and thought we'd have all, you know, three or 400 of our colleagues in a ballroom in September. Good thing we didn't go with that plan. 
Um, then we spend a good amount of time figuring out what technology we might use, which may not seem like it's important for fundraising, but the technology backbone was incredibly important for the fundraising because we had to make sure there was some sort of outlet for our sponsors to be able to showcase what um, they were um, offering to our membership. So what happened next was we did a matrix of our uh, potential softwares. We looked at both um, traditional kind of um, app-based software that basically just told you kind of what room to go to next and what the, what the sessions were, as well as integrated softwares, which had the sessions that would run inside of them um, integrated. Uh, at the time that we were looking early on in the pandemic, the integrated softwares were less sophisticated. My guess is they've gotten better now. Um, our preference was for it to be integrated, but we ended up going with more of a traditional um, phone app kind of software that could run on your laptop um, along with Zoom because it seemed to be the most stable. And we wanted to make sure everyone had a stable experience. Once we locked that in, what we lost were some of the bells and whistles that were available in those more robust systems. The more robust systems offered things like an avatar experience where you'd be able to walk up to a virtual booth and maybe take the chocolate off the table um, that you might have taken from the booth in real life, or where you might be able to actually um, have a conversation one-on-one -on -one in a private booth experience. Um, and we didn't get that with the technology that we chose. So we spent some time thinking about how we might recreate that um, before we went back to the businesses that we had um, locked in as sponsors. And um, probably the most ingenious thing that we came up with, we had no idea that it was ingenious, but if you get nothing else from this podcast, this is the most useful thing that we did. We stumbled into it, I promise you. But what we did was we established what we called live uh, sponsor booths. And during those live booths, we used the word live so people knew that they weren't just going to a web page, which is what a lot of the softwares do, but they clicked on a Zoom link and in that link was actually a representative from the sponsor company. And within that 30 minute period, they got to visit with the sponsors. And so we told the sponsors they could do whatever they wanted. In my mind, it was going to be more like a Q&A, like probably would have happened in a real life booth. So people would kind of wander through in our heads. They would come and go during that 30 minutes like they would have in a real life booth period, right? Um, and they might ask a question about the software, about the service that was being offered and then they might wander off. But what we saw actually happen was that in these 30 minute interludes between the sessions, at least our members sat through the entire 30 minutes, almost like they were mini sessions and for the full duration. And so the vendors had 30 minutes to really showcase their products and services in a way they never would have had in a real conference session because people would have been doing other things and trying to escape the vendors for anything other than, you know, the giveaway or the chocolate. So, uh, Claudia, you, you have Zoom, 
And then you chose something to use with Zoom. What, what is a phone? You mentioned a phone-related type app. Like what, what were some of the names? Do you remember? Because I'm sure people listening to this and viewing this are going to wonder, how can I go view some of those myself? Yeah. So um, we use something called Attendee, app, uh, Attendee Hub, I think is what it was called, through Cvent. Um, and it was fine for what we needed. Okay. There are more robust systems out there that you might want to check out. We used that because it's what we had used before. Um, this is a new world. So I would go out and check. There are so many of these apps. You could even just um, Google and search. Yep. Uh, we had, um, yeah, so there's so many of them. So now if I'm one of the sponsors, I don't have to load my car, drive to your city, stay in a motel, carry around all my exhibit materials. I have this very dedicated half hour and your participants came in large numbers to these half hour sessions. What did your sponsors think about this? They loved it. Some of them just went through um, presentations of their product. Like here is my software service and here's how it worked. Um, some of them spent time getting to know each of our members, and so many of our members participated. We only allowed, um, in each period, we only allowed two, maybe three of these sponsors to speak per time. So everyone got one time, but depending upon your level, if you were a bronze, silver, gold, you got maybe two or three hour, half-hour periods. Um, and there were 20 to 30 people in each of your periods, so that's significant contacts. Some of them spent time getting to know the people that were in the room and kind of personalizing their conversations. The best one was an accounting firm that played a game, and the people that were in the room had so much fun, <laughs> um, and it really created, um, I think, a, re a lasting relationship between the participants in the room and that particular accounting firm that I think that when um, the, those organizations go out to bid, they'll remember that accounting firm and they'll actually put them in the mix to compete for that business. I just think that it'll work. So not a big large exhibit hall where it's a free for all for everybody. Each sponsor had their own dedicated time. They had many recipients come to them. Uh, depending on their sponsorship level, they had more of these 30 minute intervals available to them if they had a higher sponsorship level. Um, you know, Claudia, how many of your sponsors did you retain? Uh, what did fundraising look like overall? And what was the reaction afterwards from these businesses who decided to stay with you in this virtual environment? Yeah, we retained all of our sponsors. Um, a couple of sponsors, I think we had one sponsor downgrade their level um, because no one knew that it was going to be this big hit. I mean, honestly, until after it happened. Um, afterwards, everyone raved about it, obviously. The, the depth of the relationship building was better than anything they could have done in an exhibit hall. Um, and um, we actually brought in our title sponsor after we made the switch to virtual. So we were able to sell our largest level after we made the switch to virtual. And in terms of your fundraising goal, did you fall short? Did you hit it? Did you go past it? What we we shot right past. On This year has been um, very good to us. And we're very thankful for that because we recognize it's been so hard for so many others. 
but um, we have provided strong programming to our members. We've been responsive, we've listened, and we've shot past all of our fundraising goals this year. And this includes the goal for the conference? It certainly includes the goal for the conference. Claudia, as we conclude here, again, your creativity that you and your colleagues is just so inspiring. What advice do you have then uh, as fundraisers fundraise from the business sector, whether that's for events and doing something very creative in this virtual environment as you have, or just other approaches to the business sector uh, as folks just try to figure out how to best fundraise during the pandemic? Yeah, but you know, always be creative, always be thinking that old axiom, begin with the end in mind, right? There's, there's no mountain that's too high, high to climb. You just have to think about what is it you're trying to accomplish. You're trying to help your sponsors showcase their wares, right? Now, how do you do that? And so if you provide a high quality product, everyone's happy and um, we're so thrilled to have been able to do it. And then we had benefit, they had benefit. It was all successful and yeah, we're moving forward. It's great stuff. Claudia Cummings is the president and CEO of the Indiana Philanthropy Alliance, a wonderful resource in the state of Indiana. Uh, and again, as we teach here at the fundraising school, if your case for support was strong before the pandemic, your case for support is strong now. And to just amplify what Claudia just said, if you have quality programs and services, you with confidence should still be providing people with opportunities to provide their donations, including our friends in the business sector who could very well still be interested in sponsoring, even with the challenges of the pandemic economy. We cover fundraising from the business sector in a specifically designated course and also in different modules of our public courses at the fundraising school. And right now during the pandemic, you can attend those courses with a crisis response scholarship that reduces the cost of a course by 50%. Uh, some of our courses are in person. Uh, just about all of them are now available online. We have these free podcasts, quarterly webinars. We even get together once a month online with Fridays with the Fundraising School. And all this information is available on our website at philanthropy.iupui.edu forward slash the Fundraising School. With Claudia Cummings, I'm Bill Stanjakevich, and now you are now more up to date on this first day from the Fundraising School. Mm -hmm.